This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. You're listening to C-Suite Success Radio with your host and executive coach, Sharon Smith. If corporate success is your goal, C-Suite Success Radio offers you informative interviews with experts that will help you shorten your learning curve and accelerate your momentum to higher achievement. C-Suite Success Radio makes it simple and easy for you to tap into the wisdom of other successful business people who know the path you're traveling. If you're ready for success in corporate America, welcome to your new home at C-Suite Success Radio. And now, time for your host and C-Suite Executive Coach, Sharon Smith. Welcome to this week's episode of C-Suite Success Radio. I am your host, Sharon Smith of C-Suite Results. Each week we focus on success, a word we all know and something we strive towards, but not a word that's easy to define. All of our topics and guests are aimed to help you achieve the goals you've set for your organization and for yourself as a leader, but more importantly, to help you accelerate the pace of your success. On today's show, we have Shep Hyken a customer service and experience expert and the chief amazement officer of Shepherd Presentations. Shep is a New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestselling author and has been inducted into the National Speakers Association Hall of Fame for lifetime achievement in the speaking profession. Shep works with companies and organizations who want to build loyal relationships with their customers and employees. He is also the creator of the Customer Focus, a customer service training program which helps clients develop a customer service culture and loyalty mindset. Let's listen to the conversation I had with Shep and learn how he defines success and the lessons he has learned to help you gain the edge you're looking for. And today I'm excited to welcome Shep Hyken to the phone. Welcome to our call, Shep. Hey, excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you. I know you're a busy man with your own podcast and everything you've got going on. Tell our listeners what you're working on, whether it's your podcast, the business. Tell us what gets you excited every day. Well, gosh, well, you know, every week we do uh, Amazing Business Radio, which is all about how to be amazing in business, and that's uh, in the area of customer service and experience. And I've been so lucky to get amazing experts, corporate executives, people that are like amazing techno gurus on artificial intelligence and how it interacts uh, with people and customers. But what came out two weeks ago, uh, actually now it's been about three weeks, is Be Amazing or Go Home, my latest book. And uh, kind of kind of a fun book. The title says it all. If you don't choose to be amazing, go home. And these are the great habits that people have in building relationships, especially with their customers. Fantastic. Can't wait to get my hands on a copy. That sounds really good. How big a book well, is this? Is it going to be an easy read for me? I'm a slow it's, reader. It's huge. <laughs> it's huge. <laughs> You're in D.C. That should mean something. The, uh, <laughs> Size matters, Shep. Size matters. <laughs> uh, it's an easy read. I mean, it's, 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 it's the kind of thing where you look through it, and there's a bunch of habits, and you'll say, okay, this one resonates with me. I suggest that people don't necessarily go through the whole book. Go through the table of contents and just, you know, if something jumps out, grab it. And they're short, uh, quick little habits. And uh, I mean, it's an easy, it's about 225, 30 pages. I don't know, something like that. And uh, hey, here's how we've done it. Hardback book, it's got to charge twenty four ninety five, like any hardback book. However, I had control over the price of the ebook. It's 99 cents. That's nice. it. If I could give it away for free, I would. And I did give it away for free when Amazon let me. But 99 cents for the ebook on Amazon. I mean, how do we do it? 
We lose money on every sale, but we make it up in volume. Nice. I will be grabbing myself a copy <laughs> for sure. And I love the fact that I can look at the table of contents and just pick what I want to read. That is helpful. That is helpful. What is your favorite habit from the book that you talked about? Well, actually, there's the reason I wrote the book was because I had somebody here in my office that kept showing up late every day. And our mantra at Shepherd Presentations is to be amazing. We're being, we're being amazing for our clients. We want to teach our clients to be amazing to their clients and customers, and we want to be amazing here. And my assistant kept showing up late. And I said, is this amazing behavior? And she said, no. And I said, that's right. You either need to be amazing or go home. And she said, that's a great title for a book. And as I thought about it, the reason I had her come in to talk about uh, her being late was it was becoming a habit. And good habits or bad habits are things that happen over and over again. And I thought, you know what? So much of the direct interaction that people have with their customers or really anybody they work with or interact with, it's about the good habits or, unfortunately, some bad habits they have. So that's what got me excited. So the first habit, which is show up ready to amaze, is exciting. And then the last habit of the whole book has to do with you know, how uh, Aristotle, I believe it was said, was said, that excellence is a habit. And so there's a great little piece on here. Uh, it's called uh, Sweep Like Beethoven Plays Piano. And basically it's like whatever you decide to do, even if you're a street sweeper, sweep as if you're you know, an artist. And it was uh, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. that came up with this quote that if a man is called to be a street sweeper, he should sweep streets even as Michelangelo painted or Beethoven composed music or Shakespeare wrote poetry. He should sweep streets so that all of the hosts of heaven and earth will pause to say, here lived a great street sweeper. Who did his job well. <laughs> I just love that. That's amazing. <laughs> so, but that's what it is. I mean, if you decide to do something, do it right. You know, don't go halfway, go all the way. Great. I love that. You're starting off with a wonderful piece of advice for our listeners, which I often ask for at some point during our conversation. So look at that. You're starting right off the bat with providing us a well, really great nugget. Thank you. I want to know more about Shepherd Presentations. What do y'all do over there? I'm a customer service and experience expert, started this business back way back before you were born, I'm sure, 1983. Not quite, but uh, thank but, you. <laughs> yeah. But uh, in that time, I was basically hired to speak and go out and talk about customer service. I'd done a lot of research, a lot of interviews, wrote the presentation, and over the years just became better and better at it and learned more and more to the point where today, uh, aside from writing a number of books, uh, we have trainers that go out and deliver my material. We have an amazing online virtual training program. I mean, I am with you 24-7, seven days a week, however many days, you, 365 days a year, all the time, if you have an internet connection. And it's all about how to create an amazing customer experience. If you have a lot of complaints, if you're in the customer support department, we've got complaint programs, we've got leadership programs on how to create the customer-focused culture, all of that's now online. And that's a pretty exciting uh, growth part of the business. I love that. People love, you know, it's I can't be everywhere, and a lot of people can't afford to bring me in to speak, especially with a small group. What a great way of scaling it out and getting everybody a really important message. Absolutely. That's that's really exciting, especially having that online presence for the folks like you mentioned that they can't bring you in. That is fantastic and amazing. Got me using that word now. 
How does, yeah, you're going to use yeah, I'm it. Gonna use It'll it. be your favorite word. <laughs> For the longest time, I was using fantastic all the time, and I realized I was <laughs> using it too much. I will start using amazing. How does someone become an expert in customer service experience or customer experience? How did, is that something you set out to do, or does that happen by accident? Well, it, it kind of happened by accident. So let's go back to when I was 12 years old. I started my first business. It was a birthday party magic show business. And my first uh, show, I came home, I was paid $16. I'll never forget that. I think it was $15 plus a dollar tip. And my uh, mom and dad were at table at dinner, and they, you know, what are you going to do after dinner, my mom asked. And I said, I don't know, homework. She goes, no, you're going to go write a thank you note. Oh, good idea. And my dad said, that's a great idea. Next week, after they receive the thank you note, call them up, say thank you again, and then ask, how did I do? And I go, oh, that's a great idea. Now, little did I know that saying thank you and showing appreciation and getting feedback is all part of, you know, customer service and creating a great experience. And what I learned from the feedback was what tricks the parents loved that I did with the kids. And if they didn't mention it, I knew it probably wasn't worth keeping it in the show. And I kept in, in making improvements and uh, learned about customer service really from doing it, not even knowing it was called customer service. So when I decided to do this for a living, part of it was because I didn't have another job, true, uh, out of college. Uh, and by the way, I worked in magic shows with, with birthday parties and then eventually nightclubs and, and all the way through high school and college working in nightclubs. Also, I had regular jobs, worked in retail, um, you know, worked in an office building one summer doing accounting work when I was in high school. And, you know, boy, I realized, you know what, I kind of like <laughs> doing the magic shows better. But anyway, uh, when I got out of college and I didn't have a job, I saw a couple of motivational speakers, very famous speakers at the time. And I realized I could probably do that with the entertainment business that I had in the background and the fact that I love business. And I also real quickly learned customer service was a hot topic. And I love that. It's what I believed in. And so I started reading and researching. And over time, you know, it's part of that Malcolm Gladwell, if you work 10,000 hours or practice 10,000 hours in something, you're going to be, you know, a genius or an expert. And I know I've devoted well, well over 10,000 hours to my craft and my research and and my work. But really, that's what it evolves around is, is constantly learning and interviewing every client that I work for. Even today, I learn something new all of the time working with these different clients. That's what I love about these conversations. I learn something new from every conversation, every one of these interviews. I'm always busy writing down notes. And then during the edit process, I'm learning new things all over again. So I completely hear what you're yeah. saying. Yeah. And you probably get the same thing with it your guests. That's one of the reasons I love it. And also, I force myself to write every week. Uh, by the way, that, if you, if you really want to get good at something, force yourself to publish an article. Now, I publish on Wednesdays. Uh, I have a weekly uh, newsletter that goes out. It's also my blog post. And you can learn more about that if you want at hyken.com, H-Y-K-E-N.com. I write for Forbes every Saturday. Uh, actually, now I think they switched me to Sunday. You force yourself to do that. You are immersing yourself into your, your world. And the only way I can write an article every week is to constantly be thinking about it, reading what others are doing, learning and hearing what others are doing. And that helps uh, with the expertise. And you and I both write for C-Suite Network for the advisors group. Yes, and I do. believe uh -huh. you and I are often competing for rank and how often we publish. I like looking at the stats to see which one of us has written more articles. I always want to try and beat out Shep. That's always one of my goals. <laughs> how, how am I doing? I haven't checked. Lately. I haven't checked lately either. We'll find out maybe in two weeks when we're up in New York together. 
Were, were you the one, I can't remember, somebody recently said to me, uh, they finally beat me out and uh, on one of those rankings with C-Suite. I did a and while so, ago, but I don't know if I, it wouldn't have been too recently that I would have said that to you. It okay. might have been when I saw you in Dallas, I think I just beat you out, maybe. Okay, well, somebody mentioned that to me not long ago, and I walked into my team's office, I go, why is somebody beating me in the C-Suite rankings? Are we doing anything different? Are we staying the, staying the course? By the way, if we're doing exactly what we started out to do, I'm happy where we are. But I found out that, and by the way, this is a great learning experience. Uh, the person on my team in charge of doing that wasn't doing it as diligently as she had a while back. And I go, why not? And she goes, I don't know why. Did it just like slowly slip away? And she goes, I guess so. So I read a quote. I can't remember. Actually, I heard it. I don't know who wrote it. So I can't, if I read it, I would have written, I would have, you know, taken a picture of it or whatever. But it was something to the effect of many people cannot, uh, are, uh, the word was resilience. Many people are not resilient to withstand the monotony of success. Now think about that. They can't, they aren't resilient. In other words, they can't keep up with the monotony the routine, the boringness of the system that creates the success. That's really interesting. And that's where a lot of people fail in business. One of the greatest exercises I did after about being in, uh, let's see, I was in business about 15 or 16 years. I went to see a coach, and the coach said, what have you done in the last 10 years or even since the beginning of your business that you would consider milestones of your career. I took a lot of time to think about it. I actually went home, took a month to think about it, and wrote down all of these milestones. There were about maybe six or seven really big things that happened and what caused that to happen. And we got back together, and I sat down. And I said, here, here they are. They go, what caused this to happen? And I said this, and are you still doing that? And I went, no, I'm not doing that. Why not? Look at where you got with it. Great idea. And it taught me that sometimes we just forget about things that make us successful, and they just kind of fall by the wayside. And We've got to constantly be reminding ourselves, this is what got me to the dance. Do not give up on it. Keep doing it. Uh, withstand the monotony of success. That's really interesting. We're going to get a little bit more into success and what that is for you, but I really like what you're saying because so many people don't realize how boring or how unsexy it is to get to where they th those people get, right, the successful folks. We look at them after they've become successful or we look at them just in the public eye and it's like, ooh, wow, I wish I could be that person or be like that. But what we don't see is that monotony, that day in, day out, boring stuff that has to happen to get there that most people aren't willing to do. Right. And, you know, somebody said, oh, he was an overnight success. It only took him 20 years yeah. to become an overnight success. <laughs> That's, I just, I actually just used a similar quote on another interview I was doing. Someone else had said that to me early on while I was podcasting. One of my guests, he said, someone else had told him, yeah, I was an overnight success after 10 years. And I loved it because it made <laughs> me say, oh, thank you. I'm not losing my mind. I'm not a failure. I just haven't put in the time yet to be an overnight success. <laughs> exactly. I think that uh, probably about five years ago is after doing this for almost, uh, well, I've been doing it 34 years. So after 25 to 28, 29 years, things really started to click to the point where I'm getting called to do some really unique and very cool things that would never have happened 
20 years ago or 10 years ago. Maybe that's just the natural progression of the growth of the business and reputation. I'll never forget, there's a great uh, event that speakers, and, and part of what I do is speaking, a lot of what I do is speaking, getting out there and, and doing keynote-type speeches. And I, was, uh, I heard the Million Dollar Roundtable, MDRT, which is in front of, uh, it's a huge event that's in front of the top insurance people in the world. And it's a worldwide event. Uh, the audience uh, I spoke in front of had 8,000 people at the time. And I remember when uh, I first contacted them to speak was about three or four years into my business. And I didn't get the speech until about 14 years into my business. And I thought that alone, because by the way, I called every single year, what do I need to do to be considered this year? And after I did the speech, I realized, man, am I glad they didn't hire me the first two or three or four times that I asked, you know why? I wasn't ready for it. Uh, I wouldn't have been good. Uh, and maybe I would have been good, but I wouldn't be prepared to deal with the success that it could potentially bring me in future business and how to work, you know, and make, take advantage of all the great things that come from doing that event. Cause that is probably the MDRT is one of the big events that speakers say, you know what, that is like, you know, probably one of the top five events you want to do is in your speaking career. I really like what you were saying. The message I took from what you were just saying, and I think something that many people overlook is that you get a no and you just give up, which is not what you did. When I say you, no. I mean other people. <laughs> many people get a no and give up. However, what I'm hearing you say is the no was a blessing in disguise because you weren't ready. Even after no number two and no number three, you still, it was a blessing in disguise and you kept going after it though. And by the time they said yes, it was the right time. It was all about right, the timing. Right. And so I, I actually spoke with them twice. And as I think back, I think uh, the first time was 13 years into my career. So it was almost 10 years from the first time I reached out to them. And then two years later, I uh, went back and did the, uh, the speech again, a different speech, but did, did a program for them again. And uh, like, you know, 10 years of no's. And that's all right. Uh, the no's don't bother me. Uh, I knew it was the right event. I wanted to do it. I put it on my wall is... Uh, that's one of the events I wanted to do. I, I'll never forget, speaking of getting no's, I wanted to do some work with Procter & Gamble. I just thought if I can get into that company, there's so many divisions. I would love to work with them and, and work my way through the company. I called them up, and this person was fairly abrupt, if not rude, in their version of no. And what I did is I just said, you know what, I'm going to put uh, – I put an index card, I said, and I wrote Procter & Gamble, and I put it at the top of my bulletin board that I looked at every day. My goal was that at least once a month I would do something to get me closer to a yes. And uh, probably like four or five years later, I finally worked for them. That's a fantastic story. You know what, you just said something that triggers a question for me. You talked about no, and you talked about this person being abrupt. Well, in customer service, there are times where the customer's not always right, or the company can't fulfill the request, and there has to be a no. What is the right way for an organization to handle those no's that have to be given out to those customers? Right. So you just said the customer's not always right. Unfortunately, many companies train people to the concept of the customer's always right, but they aren't always right. right. But they are always the customer. So when they're wrong, you need to, you know, let them be wrong with some dignity and respect. Sometimes what they're asking for, and really, I wrote an article about six reasons that you would say no to somebody. You know, one of them is, hey, we just don't do that. 
you know. But the one thing I want to always avoid is it's company policy. That's why we're saying no. No, you, you know, are you out of something? Is it something that you don't do, something that you can't do? Uh, you know, there's alternatives that you can suggest, and that moves you from no to here's another idea. And then you start to collaborate and partner with your customer rather than just work in a transactional way. So there's many different ways to deal with it. But recognize and, and let everybody know, hey, everyone, good news. Customer's not always right, but they're always a the customer. And if they are arguing with you, remember, you're not trying to win an argument. You're trying to win the customer. From a customer perspective, there are many times where customers are frustrated with the product or the customer service or called a call center and another call center. We're not getting results. And we're, it's easy, unfortunately, as a human being to become argumentative and get mean, even though we're not necessarily spiteful people with that customer service rep. So as the customer, what's the best tip you can give somebody to get closer to a yes? So I know there's two, two things. Well, first of all, if, I'm, if, if they aren't going to do what I, I'm asking them to do, and I'm dealing with somebody that I feel is incompetent, and I, this, by the way, when you're in that heated moment, you got to still give yourself some clarity. Is this person, am I dealing with somebody that's truly incompetent? Am I dealing with somebody that's working off of a script? And you know when you're talking to a call center, when you keep hearing your name being used over and over again in the same sentence, like, I'm really sorry that you feel that way, <laughs> something to that effect, <laughs> right. over and over again, you're dealing with somebody that cannot get the job done. They haven't been properly trained. I just wrote an article about this. You're not going to believe it. I think it actually did it come out today. Uh, may have come out today. Um, Robert Wendover, Bob Wendover, who's uh, another speaker. He says you're not going to believe this one. My cable TV company. Okay, I decided I wanted to change my plan. So I called him up, and the lady says, "Hi, this is so and so, and who am I talking to?" He says, well, "My name's Bob." Well, hi, Bob. How can I help you? I want to change my plan. Great. Can you give me the name that's on the uh, you know that's on the account? He says it's. It's Robert Wendover. And she goes, it's Robert? Hold on. Is this the street address? Yes. Well, I'm sorry you're not authorized on this account. Why not? Well, you said your name was Bob. Oh, my. Are you serious? I'm not. I mean, I am serious. You I, can't I mean, I make couldn't believe up. it. Right. It's, it's like, are you kidding me? Uh, actually, I think it's going to come out next week, uh, the article. And I basically, I titled the article, Don't Be Ridiculous. <laughs> and it is. And so all he did was he hung up the phone and they went and redialed and uh, went through all the cues with the virtual response system and finally got to a person and they said, what's your name? He said, Robert. <laughs> <laughs> At least he learned quickly. <laughs> exactly. But come on. That's ridiculous. And, you know, that's ridiculous. <laughs> and uh, that's the kind of thing that happens. So in this situation, back to your question, you know, what do you do? Number one, you know, uh, they say honey's going to attract more flies than – how does that go? <laughs> something yeah, like honey that. attracts more flies than vinegar or something like that. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> so why don't you start out – you know, I always start out go, uh, you know, oh, I am so glad I'm talking. I'll bet you're the person that's going to be able to help me. I am so frustrated, and I sure hope you're the person. And as soon as they introduce it, thank you. So let me tell you what's going on, and I just try to be nice about it, and I see – I, I try to listen to what their response is, and right away I'll be able to tell, is this person going to be able to help me, or are they going to read off of the script? And ideally, if I come at them in that warm way, I'm going to soften them. And then, if I'm not getting anywhere, I ask who else I can talk to. What do you mean? Is there somebody that you report to that might be able to help me you know, with this decision that I'm looking for? 
And I'll argue that point. So let's take it to the most extreme level. I'm getting nowhere, but I feel, I truly feel I'm in the right. Again, I got to be careful. If I'm arguing and I'm screaming and I'm being belligerent, guess what? They're taping my call. They'll go back and listen to this. And I will not win if I'm a jerk. I don't believe I should win if I'm a jerk. But here's what I'll do. I'll pick up the phone and I'll call the main offices and I'll ask to speak to the office of the president. Not the president himself, but the office of the president, because I'm going to get an assistant. That's, their job is to make sure that people like me don't get to the president. And I'm going to be really nice about it. I'm going to explain what happened. And I'm going to say I have nowhere else to go. And I thought that Mr. or Mrs., whoever the president is, would probably want to know that this is happening. Can you please help me resolve this issue? And you wouldn't you would be amazed at what some of these people will do, not to keep you from talking to the president. But when they realize what's going on down at the front line, they jump through hoops to try to make it right. Uh, I won't tell you the name of the company, but their initials are Best Buy. <laughs> oh, there you go. So one year I went to buy uh, it was around holiday time and they had one of those, you know, Black Friday type sales, really deep, deep discounted computer. I wanted to get this for my son for Christmas and I thought it'd be a great gift. It didn't come after a week, and they said it's on back order, but they're getting it. Well, now we're about two and a half weeks out of Christmas, and I finally get somebody at Best Buy to say, you know what, sir, you're not going to get this by Christmas. It is back ordered. I don't think they're ever going to have this computer. And I go, why? He says, because the specs are from last year or from a generation before. They're not going to make an old computer. Well, what am I supposed to do? I, then give me something else. And they recommended some things that were dramatically more expensive. I said, that's not right. That's like bait and switch. So I did, in fact, uh, by the way, getting the main phone number to Best Buy is not easy to do. But I got it. I got to the president's office, a woman there, and I can't remember her name, one of his assistants. I told her the story, and she asked if she could call me back in 20 minutes. And she did. And she said, are you in front of your computer? Pull up. Uh, this and put in this number and another computer came up. She said, sir, we will never sell the computer that we had on sale again. Is this computer acceptable? And it was dramatically more expensive. I said, you know, and she says at the same price, we're going to send you this computer. We feel terrible that this has happened and we can't have it happen again, not just to you, but to anybody. And guess what? I got the computer a week later. I, I uh, emailed her. I thanked her again and told her I bought another computer, by the way, at the regular price to give to my mother-in-law for Christmas. <laughs> and that's what happens when, when they take care of their customers. Anyway, it works. You know, so like, uh, like, you know, like you said, you catch more flies with honey than with vinegar. Yes, I need to work on it more because once I'm heated up, I'm so heated up. And I realize that most of the time the call center folks can't do much. And I've worked on the other side. I've never been a call center rep, but in work I used to do in the security field, I used to have to assess security around call centers and the type of data they enter into systems and how they deal with personal information. And so I worked with a lot of call center reps on that side. And I know they're, just, you know, they're people too. And it's so hard when you have already gone through all the prompts to just get to a person in the first place to then not be able to, you know, get your, your problem solved. So I appreciate you sharing all this with us. 
Yeah, and when you get into the technological side of customer service, many times when you're eventually transferred to somebody, you shouldn't have to go over the same information all over again. You shouldn't have to repeat the story time after time. And by the way, if you're online and you're filling out a form and you get stuck and you call a company, the company should be able to say, oh, I see that you're online right now and that you've, you're at this point in the form. There's technology especially for the medium to larger size companies that is very, very reasonably priced that can be used to avoid so much uh, hassle for the, for the customer. And even smaller companies, uh, I've just recently been dealing with, you know, we're a small company. We have, uh, say, six people that are working here. And, and this company approached me about putting a chat bot on my, on my uh, website. Now, for those who don't know, a chat bot is a little window that pops up and says, how can I help you? And then you type in a question and it gives you an answer. And I said, number one, I mean, I can't imagine that I would ever use a chat bot for my business, but I'm a small business. And I go, oh no, that's what we specialize in. Can you imagine having a small setup fee of a thousand dollars and paying $30 a month to have a system like this? If that's, you know, a way to handle customer support for at least a preliminary lower level type things. That's how inexpensive it is today. It's not, it's not expensive. It's not rocket science. It's common sense. And I think more and more companies need to do this type of thing. I love when I can do an online chat, assuming I can get someone on the other end that can help me. But I love if I don't have to sit on hold. I can do other things. I think it's a fantastic feature. Yeah, and you know what? Many times that online chat that you're having, you don't realize you're dealing with a machine, mm-hmm. a computer. And the computer recognizes when you are confused or it's not giving you the answer that you want and seamlessly switches you over to a human. And uh, that's a really cool function. And that's why great self-support issues with human backup that's seamless is, you know, it's just an amazing way to deal with customer service. And you might know the exact answer to this, or I may be asking you to guesstimate a little bit, but how much money is lost to businesses every year due to poor customer service? Uh, last year's number was $62 billion with a B, and that's up just about uh, 51 or 52% from two years prior, which would make you think that customer service is getting worse because more and money, more and more money is being lost. The reality is, in almost every sector, customer service is getting better. Uh, the American Customer Satisfaction Index comes out regularly with numbers, and, and they look at all the different categories from you know hospitality and airlines and cable TV and Internet, uh, and even the government, they rate them. And uh, they rate that they tell you what the top companies are. But in the various sectors, most sectors, overall customer satisfaction is going up. But here's what the problem is. The rock stars in the customer service world are setting the bar really, really high. And customers now expect that every company should be capable of delivering that level of service. And even though these uh, lower-tiered, what I would call customer-focused companies that are, were struggling before that are getting better, even though they are getting better, they're not getting better fast enough or they're not delivering at the same level that the customer's expectations are. I mean, when the government's numbers are higher than they were last year, that's pretty impressive. They're just not high enough yet. I know personally that if I'm mad enough from a customer, 
customer service experience, I definitely take my money elsewhere. I was dealing with a company that rhymes with Macy's, and it was such a nightmare experience to get a $70 refund back to my credit card that was enti- I was entitled to. Such a nightmare, at least three months. I can't tell you how many phone calls I made. Every single person who told me they would call me back never once called me back. At least three people told me that, that I've not done business with them since. And I was a pretty avid shopper there before. I've taken my money elsewhere. Didn't stop shopping. I just stopped shopping with them. So I have to assume, A, people are doing that. And B, I also have to assume that in this social media world we live in, that when someone's happy, they spread the word. So those businesses get more new customers. And when people are upset, like myself, speaking poorly of Macy's here on my show, and I've done so on Facebook and other places, that people may take that information and choose to not do business because other people have had poor customer experiences. What do you feel about that in terms of accuracy? So it's very accurate. Word of mouth marketing, W-O-M, word of mouth, is the most positive uh, marketing and sales technique, advertising, if you will, that you can use. That's when other people are talking about, uh, you know, you in a positive way. Not, by the way, they will also talk about you in a negative way, and there are more negative comments that are posted typically than positive right. for some industries especially. But think about it this way. Uh, and by the way, I do have a, a concept. If you are being told somebody will call you back, get their name and if they won't give you the number, say, can you at least tell me where you're calling from? Great, thanks. Oh, I love that area. What you really do is getting intel. For when t- that happens, as you said three times, you should be going to management of the company and saying, I have wasted two hours of my time trying to get my $70 back, and these are the three people that said they were going to call me back. Number one, I'd like my $70 back. But number two, if you want me to do business with you again, give me a reason to do so. Yeah which is basically saying either kill me with kindness or bump up, you know, don't give me a $70 credit, give me a $100 credit and tell me to come back. By the way, I'm not, I'm not asking to extort the company, right. but companies, there's too many times. And I hate when I would never suggest to my clients, hey, when it's not working, just pay somebody off to come back the next time. No, don't give anything away for free. Handle it right so well the first time that people say, wow, I can depend on them. Even when something's wrong, they always take care of me. That's what you want because you're not trying to fix a problem. You're trying to restore confidence. And that's, you know, they go hand in hand. So uh, I know I got off of our, our original no, you're uh, good. Line of questions, but <laughs> no, it's good. I I looked at I just looked at the clock and realized, wow, we've been talking for 32 minutes, and I it's gone so quickly because this has been so fascinating. And for me, it's been very personally motivated. Like, what can I learn from Shep today about how I can handle better customer <laughs> situations when I'm the customer? Because again, as a small business myself, I don't have a lot of folks calling in for customer service complaints. I deal with my clients basically one on one on one, but. This right. is going to be helpful for so many people who are listening, who may have those customer service needs in organizations and call centers, and I really appreciate that. One topic that we started to talk about, I believe, early on, but never got to where I want to get and always get with every guest is learning how SHEP defines success, how and whether it's for work or help your clients define success in customer service or in life. What is success for you, and what? how do you measure that? Wow. Well, I measure it two ways. Um, um, I can tell you in business and in life, I have a business mantra and I have a, a personal mantra, and I can't think they help me define success. My business mantra is always be amazing. And, and to me, that's great, but what does that mean? And, and how I define success is 
Am I really happy doing what I'm doing and I'm making a good living doing it? If I'm happy, that means my clients are happy because there's no way if my clients were always yelling at me, I'd be a happy guy, right? right? Okay. And if I'm getting paid to do what I love to do, how much better in life can that be? Uh, I make a great living doing what I do and I love what I do. My, I have an unbelievable client base. And if you start to measure the success where it's not about dollars, it's about you know, the success of the companies, the ones that keep another way to define success in my mind is, is a company inviting me back, man, if they invite me back, I've nailed it. Okay. Yeah. And, and that counts on a personal level. If my kids are happy, I'm happy. So my lifetime mantra is have fun and make my kids smile. That's oh, beautiful. I love that. And we learned early on from you that your parents really taught you a lot about customer service early on when you were calling these folks after the magic shows. What advice would you pass on to the next generation of up-and-coming leaders that has really made a difference for you outside of what you've already told us? So I think there's a discipline. You know, I talked to you a little bit about Be Amazing or Go Home, which is this this book that I just wrote. And I think the discipline of a good habit. And the only way to get a good habit is to get in and do it all the time and be, for lack of a better term, religious about it. When I first started my business as an entrepreneur, I said, I'm going to make 100 phone calls a week. Well, how many people uh, are willing to make 100 phone calls a week? By the way, today, it's so hard to get through to people. You probably only get through to three to five people of the 100. Does that mean you shouldn't do it? No. It just means you're only going to get through to three to five people. And of the three to five people, maybe one of those might appear to be interested. And if you do this and you have five or six of the appearing to be interested people, you might get business. And I I did this. I was relentless, habitual, and uh, for lack of a better term, you know, just totally disciplined on habits and systems. And I started that at a very young age. I think I learned it because when I was doing my magic shows, I figured out exactly what had to be done for every booking. I created my own system. When I went to work uh, at this company and I was in their accounting department, they had a system and I had to go through. It was a checklist. If something was missing on that checklist, that meant something could go wrong. And uh, that's what I think. If, if there's something I would suggest to young people who are starting their own business or getting into some type of business they, uh, or even working for someone else, figure out what the system is, work the system the way it's meant to be worked. And once you've got it down to where it's a habit, then you could start to look for ways to improvise, maybe make changes. So those are my thoughts. Love it. Thank you so much for sharing all of this today. We've learned a lot from you. I am going to make sure that when we post the show, we also post the, your website link, a link to your book, and anything else you provide me that you want to share with our audience. I'm happy to post that information. And looking well, forward you. to getting this out to our listeners. I think you have so much valuable information to share. You are the first chief amazement officer I've had on the show. So thank you. <laughs> I think that's amazing. I may be the last. <laughs> I don't know how many people have that. I was going to say type. how many. I'll go on LinkedIn and I'll type in Chief Amazement Officer and see what I find. I've okay. I've seen a few interesting, you know, Chief People Officer and Chief other things, but I like Amazement Officer. I think it's fantastic. And I love what you're doing. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Any last words of wisdom, parting advice? Well, well, gosh, it, it's my pleasure. And, and I think that in if, if somebody wants to be successful, find something that you love to do. I don't know who said it first, but somebody said, if you love what you're doing, it's like you're not working at all. And it becomes your passion, not just something you have to do to go and make a living at. So find what you love, do it, and uh, 
good things will come. Fantastic. Thank you, Shep. Looking forward to seeing you up in New York soon. Can't wait. Bye. Thanks for listening today. Tune in for our next episode. And in the meantime, you can get more resources at www.c-suiteresults.com. Make it a successful day. Like what you just heard? Visit c-suiteradio.com. C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.